I want to mention this. I think that that's what our people need to realize just how powerful we are, right? Yeah. We are literally performing at max 50, 60% of our true capacity because the other 50 or 40%, that's worried about trying to fit in. It's worried about trying to, you know, play this act or this role, um, trying to kind of, you know, wash away some of the culture. Imagine what we would accomplish if everyone just said, fuck this, I'm going to give this my 100%. And yeah, I'm going to feel great doing it because I get to be who I am. Just imagine. Mi gente, dímelo, what up? That was a clip from today's episode. Appreciate you all for tuning in. And welcome to the Quinto Eres podcast brought to you by Plural. Today's episode is a little bit different compared to previous episodes. You'll notice that in the title, there is no name, and my guest has decided to remain anonymous. Before we get into the person's bio, I want to make sure that we address that topic. So this podcast was started to really empower and encourage and inspire people to be their authentic selves. And on this podcast, we openly discuss and have candid conversations with the Latinx community about the conflict that we often face between being our authentic selves and professionalism. Many of us suppress parts of our identity in order to feel more included, less judged, and many times to avoid microaggressions at work in particular. These stories aren't told to HR. These stories are not told to managers. And if these stories are ever told, they're told anonymously via Glassdoor or platforms such as the medium. And when they're anonymous, I've heard coworkers tell me that those stories are made up. They say, Pavel, are you going through this? There's no way that this is real, right? This can't happen at insert, insert whatever company name it is. The truth is that these, they, they do exist. And I thought that if I shared the story and accompanied that story with a name and a photo, people would realize who these situations are, are happening to. Not only that, but for those who look like us, who look like the people in the photo, they can see themselves in the people that are now being their authentic selves and are unapologetic about it. That said, I do understand that there is a fear around sharing these stories, around being public around certain microaggressions and, and racist situations that you've been a part of. So I do make an exception to that rule at times because I know that it isn't always going to be likely that we are able to be ourselves, share our truth, and not have the fear of potential retaliation. So with that said, I'll give you a little bit of background around my guest, who I'm calling Guerrero Anonimo. Guerrero Anonimo is a proud product of diligent immigrant parents from Latin America. He's a disruptor and a world traveler who is trying to break through the cultural barriers in corporate America. He has decided to remain anonymous because he is in a pivotal moment in his career in trying to drive change within the Fortune 100 companies that he works with. One day, he, he will reveal his identity, but for now, he just wants to inspire change and share his wisdom. Enjoy the episode. 
we've known each other for so long, but I feel like with, you know, certain friendships, certain relationships, you know, it's, you know, you go out, have a drink, you know, you do certain things, but you don't really have, you don't really have that opportunity to have really in-depth conversations about topics like identity. So I'm really happy to have you on the podcast today, man. And how about we kick it off with just the word authenticity? And, you know, when people tell you to be your authentic self, you know, what comes up for you? What does that mean for you? Well, first of all, yeah, I feel you on that, right? You can't really have too much deep conversations um, when we hang out and stuff like that. So, you know, it's, it's good that we get an opportunity to kind of do that now. Um, in terms of like, what does being my authentic self mean for me? Um, I would say it means harnessing my superpowers and aligning like my day-to-day actions with what I want my legacy to be. So kind of like being true to my morals, my principles, mi raices, mi familia, um, and, and, and really like leveraging my inner, my inner warrior, right? Or, or the guerrero that I like to, that I like to talk about um, to continuously overcome whatever life throws at me. Um, so that's really I what that. I think about, you know, when, when, when you say, you know, authentic self. I love that, man. Tell me about, you know, you mentioned your family, you mentioned, you know, certain values that were probably instilled at you at such an early age. Like, Tell me about like what it was like growing up and, and you know, what you learned from that, those early years. Yeah, man. So, so I'm the proud product of, of two, you know, very hardworking immigrant parents, right. That stopped at nothing to kind of give me the opportunities and, and, and allow me to get an education, right. So, you know, growing up, like my parents, they always were working, right. No excuses, just day-to-day grinding in and out. Um, I like to say que ellos fueron los verdaderos guerreros, right? Siempre sacrificándose y peleando día por día para, para darme una mejor oportunidad. So, you know, just seeing that grit, right? Seeing that perseverance day to day to you know, kind of like not stopping at anything, not letting any obstacles get in your way. Um, that was kind of what I grew up seeing and, and, and what I feel was ingrained, not only in my biology, but also in, in, in my social awareness, right? And in, in what was going on around me. So, you know, that's why when you mentioned being my authentic self, I think about kind of like, how do I harness that inner warrior, right? To achieve progress and, and, and kind of, you know, achieve, you know, just whatever goals I have every single day, like regardless, whatever obstacles I have in place, regardless of what, you know, Fulanito wants to think about me or my skin color or my, ethnicity <laughs> or my age, you know? Yeah. Guerrero is such an interesting word to choose, man. Like, how much did, did it really feel like a battle, like physically, mentally, just like, you know, looking around? Did it seem like a, a battle zone? Like, tell me about that. Growing up, yes. In college, yes. Earlier in my career, hell yes. It, it, it seems like that's what life has really mostly been, man, right? So growing up in, in a community that is, let's just say, you know, I would say low income community, limited opportunities, both parents being immigrants. Um, you know, I graduated from high school where the graduation rate was like 58%, man. Um, wow. and, and, and just kind of, you know, I've been working since I was like 13 years old, just trying to make some money to help, you know, help my parents put food on the table. And then getting, getting to college where, you know, it's like, uh, who's this brown Spanish guy and why is he so confident? It must be that New Yorker attitude in him <laughs> and, and me feeling like I didn't belong to then, you know, corporate America, which is, as we all know, you know, extremely white male dominated. Yeah. What, what was it like going to school 
uh, I mean, you don't have to say where you went to school, but, you know, was it predominantly white? Was that the first time that you were, uh, you know, in, in an environment where you were a minority or, you know, did you have that in high school as well? Tell me a little bit about that experience. So, so in, in the community, like junior high school, high school, it was, it was diverse, right? So, you know, a lot of, you know, African-American populations, a lot of, you know, Latinx population, obviously the white population, some Asians. So it was actually pretty diverse. Um, but, but I was always surrounded with people that, you know, looked like me, talked like me, dressed like me, you know, the whole New Yorker thing, right? <laughs> then I go to school out of state. Um, and I remember being in like orientation week and looking around and kind of like second guessing whether I deserve to be here, right? So out of like my crew growing up, you know, there was about eight or 10 of us, uh, only two of us made it to college, right? Wow. Um, so here I am, orientation week, looking around me, you know, got some Asians, definitely got some white folks around, met, met a few, you know, African-Americans, but I'm like, you know, damn, we're, we're like far and few in, in between. Um, and then freshman year, it was the same. I remember it was kind of like being on that hunt, like, all right, I got to find some Latinos. I got to find some Domin Dominicans, Dominicano, Colombiano, Boricua, whatever. I know we exist. Well, that where the hell are they? And 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 luckily, you know, within the first few weeks, I, I was able to kind of, you know, meet one Dominican person who then introduced me to some of the other Latinos on campus, who then also introduced me to some of the other like African, African-American populations on campus. And, you know, ultimately kind of found that small little niche community, which which was kind of like, you know, it, it was my, my, my comfort zone, right? It was where I can actually like just kind of relax and take off, you know, that, that, you know, white appearance, talk, filter, everything, and just really be who I was and talk the way I wanted to talk and, and think the way I wanted to think without feeling like I needed to be something extra just to kind of fit in. Yeah, no, I feel you, man. Uh, yeah, it, when I found that community in school or at work, it, it just feels like such a such a safe place. And it's so interesting that you pointed it out even before I asked about, you know, you felt like you could be yourself around people that look like you or people that probably shared those same experiences. Like that was a very comfortable feeling. What about outside of that circle? Like, what did you feel like? And also, it seems like you weren't being yourself. Like, what, what were you doing? Man, so I remember, you know, first few weeks in college, um, you know, I'm, I'm a New Yorker, Dominicano, right? Like, no filter, confident, um, I know it all, right? And, and obviously, that's what the, uh, the education helps with. It helps kind of humble you, right? Um, but, but I remember, you know, the first few weeks, things, you know, being that person that was always kind of going against the grain, right? I, 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 you know, I was, I was being who I thought I needed to be which is how I grew up. But I realized that that wasn't really clicking. That really wasn't kind of synergizing with, with, with what was around me. So, you know, I, I realized like, yeah, you know, maybe I got to, you know, scale back, you know, how much input I give, or maybe I kind of don't need to be as opinionated as I need to be, or, or maybe I, I, I can't use, you know, this slang, right? And then it ended up just completely transforming who I really was, right? So, here I am going to class in between class, trying to, you know, do this thing that they call network, which is when you kind of meet people because later on in your career, you're going to need that. 
and 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 I realized like it was like I was in a novella, dude. Like it was it was, <laughs> and then there was you know, <laughs> um, and that was just super super exhausting. So imagine having to think about what you wear, right? Or how how you dress, you know, how you even or or what you even eat, what you talk about, um, you know, the way you talk. It it, it literally became a different person and the scary part is is that then that became normal i would say for several years after that and you stop realizing really just how exhausting it is um until you get running out of energy i think i've always found networking events so awkward because i felt like i had to actually work during it you know what i mean like networking events should just be a place where there's a bunch of people and everyone has the intention of just meeting each other. But for me, I felt like I had to act as someone else for like four hours. And it's just like, oh my God, it's so exhausting. You know what I mean? Whereas if I was at a, you know, our, our, our Latin ass student group, I would just like, it would be so much more natural. And I didn't feel like I had to work. I felt like I was literally networking, right? Which is just the purpose. It's just like talking to people, chugging, you know, getting to know them, where they grow up, et cetera. Uh, but it really just felt like work. That's why I've always hated them. Yeah, it's it's definitely, a you know, an, an environment that's, you, you know, you're, you're on full alert, right? It's, it's super exhausting because you have to think about, okay, you know, how can I get the best out of this encounter? How can I make sure that this person isn't going to just initially ignore me because of my skin color or because of my background? You know, how can I make sure that this person is actually going to listen after those first few words that come out of my mouth um, and isn't turned off by my vocabulary or or the way that I dress? So, yeah, man, it was super exhausting. It it was it was a full time job. And that's we're talking about college events, man. We're talking about (laughs) undergrad where you're supposed to just be you and be chill and, you know, you know, wear cool T-shirts to class and just just roll up into a, a bar or whatever. Like, no. It wasn't because at least the school where I went to, it was all about, you know, becoming your professional self and and networking and building those connections and and doing all this. And, and that meant really transforming who you were to be someone else just so that you can, you know, get that person's contact. I think this was even during or before Facebook. So it was like, get this person's email and give them your like business card or whatever it was. Um, oh business cards man yeah, throwback those things yeah. <laughs> yeah those things man i kind of dated myself there didn't i <laughs> no no i'm the same way man i remember those days that's funny i definitely i definitely want to get into professionalism man, because that, that's a very uh important topic and that we discuss on the podcast too but i i'd love to talk about you know there's a certain swag that comes with just like being from new york i think like even being on the East Coast, being a Latino male, and and you have that, you have that confidence as well. I wonder, I, I've always wondered, man, like, growing up at home, like, in the household, were, did people tell you to not go against the grain? Because I think growing up, a lot of Latino households, you know, they're worried for us. They want us to go after safety and not, like, speak up and say our opinion. They're just, like, you know, fit in, you know what I mean? Like, did you get that? Or, like, where'd you get that confidence from? I'm just wondering. So, you know, I, I think I'm, I'm lucky in, in, in the sense that my, my family, right, although being, you know, Latino and, and all that and, and somewhat, you know, religious and all that, they were very modern, right, or progressive in their way of thinking. So, you know, and then let's just kind of talk about the way they think. And then also let's talk a little bit about their actions. But 
I remember yeah. with 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 my with my parents kind of you know checking some of their friends whenever their friends would say, oh, um, you know, I I hope my my daughter you know finds a a, a boyfriend like a white boyfriend or oh, something like that. in particular white boyfriend yeah and and my mom would would kind of i remember like being you know uh i would say preteen or, or early teens and my mom checking them like what does color have to do with anything right why does it have to be a, a white boyfriend why can't it be someone that they truly love regardless of you know who they're from or how their hair is or whatever it may be so that was kind of like the initial piece of it where you know my parents taught me that you know all that shit that's on the surface, none of that matters, right? What really matters is, 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 is as a human being, how you make someone else feel, right? Um, so that's where it started. But then also just with the actions, right, from my parents, just kind of seeing them again, right, on that daily grind. Like my mom's an immigrant, my dad's an immigrant, my whole mom's side of the family, you know, isn't, you know, they're all immigrants. And just seeing them kind of like take on that struggle every day with no excuses, going hard right nothing's gonna stop them walking you know miles in the snow just to get to work because they're too broke to have a car like seeing all that i think that's where i pretty much got my confidence from it and that's where i learned that anything is possible so long as you kind of work towards it and you don't give up so granted that helped and that created a foundation also you know being amongst you know my friends one of the only ones amongst my my early childhood friends that actually graduated high school, went to college, um, didn't get locked up, right? Didn't have, you know, issues with drugs or whatever it may be. Didn't succumb to whatever, you know, street violence was going on at the time. Um, and, and graduating amongst, you know, one of the top in my class, I don't know if it was like top 10 or top 20, I forget, but, you know, kind of just having that, that helped build the confidence, right? So here I am coming from, you know, a family that struggles, a family of warriors, right? They made it. I made it to college first in my family to get, you know, graduate, get an education, graduated one on top of my class. I'm going to college, dude. I am like, yeah, I'm the smartest person. I came from New York. I made it out the struggle. This is me, you know, pounding my chest kind of thing. Only to realize that, yeah, I went to a public school, dude, that wasn't really that good. So once I started talking to people, meeting people, I felt stupid real quick. (laughs) But but I still had the confidence because you know what? I'm like, hey, I, I'm pretty sure probably everyone else struggled here. So we should all be confident. Like we made it to college. Like this is the most glorious thing ever. Granted, that was me at what, 18 years old. <laughs> this is the most glorious achievement ever. Like people don't make it this far. Like be proud, everyone. Let's be confident. Little that I know, man, I had a lot to learn. <laughs> so you were balancing confidence. Well, first of all, shout out to your mom. Shout out to your mom. Because that I, you know, I, I now see where that confidence comes from. You know what I mean? Like you saw someone being uh, bold, outspoken, and like, it's not easy to have those conversations as far as saying, you know, your friend or a family member says something and you, you check them. Like, that's not easy, man. So I, I could definitely see, you know, where you get that from. So shout out to her, man. Um, and so did you, you know, so interesting because you had, conf- you, you know, you were this confident person. I would have never guessed that you were going through maybe imposter syndrome is like what I would label it. Is that what you were going through when you first got to college? I, I would say, right. So, you know, first I've, I've been hearing that, that word a lot and, you know, yeah. initially, right. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no, me too. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. So I've been hearing that word a lot. Right. And initially I'm like feeling like I don't belong. Like I don't deserve, like what, you know, that's my confidence, my inner confidence self, right. Not arrogance yeah. people, confident. I, I learned, I learned the term. 
I'm, I humbled it down. Uh, <laughs> but I'm like, what? Why do people feel that way? Like, you should be proud of what you achieved. Hell yeah, you, you belong there. But the more I started looking into it, right, the more I started learning about that, what I realized is, is that, you know, I guess I put it all in my subconscious, right? So, uh, you know, a little bit about psychology, but like people who go through things, right? Um, and they kind of, you know, find a way, it's like a defense mechanism where they just find a way to kind of put it all behind them, right? It's still in their mind. They just don't actively think about it. I guess I just forgot about all that, right? So I just remember and always understanding that, you know, coming from obviously, you know, our culture, like you're a man, you got to be tough. Can't let them see you sweat. Can't let nobody see you struggling. You got this, fake it till you make it. But at the same time, to your point, right, it, it, it didn't dawn on me until a few years ago, like, when I really just said, you know what, fuck this, I'm going to be who I am. Like, I, I didn't realize that at the entire time, and I would say, since college and in my early years of my career, I was being super confident because I had to be because that's that's what my culture told me and taught me I had to be I couldn't be vulnerable. I couldn't be, you know, sad or weak. So I couldn't let people see me sweat. But at the same time, I was also doubting myself and saying, like, yo, like, do I really belong here? Like, yeah, I made it. But do I deserve to be here? You know, like, do I need to do something different and, and change who I am so I can fit in? Yes, I do. I need to. Like, I need to make sure that, that, that I belong here. I need to make sure that people understand that I belong here. So, you know, stop using the yo-yos, right? Stop, you know, the word yo or, or, or stop the slang cut it back, you know, maybe scale back on how much input you give, you know, keep your opinions to yourself, you know, show that you're not so confident to some people so they don't think you're arrogant, like the, the whole nine, dude, the whole nine, along with pretty much what we say, let, let, let's start acting white, right, so that we can get invited to those frat parties or to those bars or whatever it may be. Um, That's really so, interesting, man. So, so you felt, you know, it, I mean, let me know if I'm, if I'm understanding this correctly, like you felt like you were confident, but then you felt like at some point you didn't belong there. And that's when you started faking it, let's call it, because you wanted to feel like you belonged. You want to fit in. You want to be accepted and, you know, get invited to to those parties or those meetings or whatever it was. Right. Yeah. Yeah, man. And it's like, you know, OK, I, I know what, what I'm capable of and I know what I've overcome. But does that give me the right to be where I'm at right now? Right. And that was going through my mind every single year university um and and that is what kind of stimulated the all right you know i grew up where i come from you should be real keep it real don't be fake but i'm gonna have to fake it if i want to be successful here right i'm gonna have to act like something that i'm truly not so that i can make sure that you know if i can get that kind of plug into that you know co-op or internship or if i can get someone to refer me to a certain job or whatever i i need to show that I can talk like them, dress like them, um, you know, scale back my thinking and, and, and kind of just play along, dude. It was, it was kind of, I would say it, it was exhausting, but what, what, what I, looking back at it, what, what hurts the most is the fact that I just couldn't let myself shine, right? Wow. So that's why, I, you know, I answered the question about the authentic self with just, just being true to, to who I am and my superpowers, like, Yes, I am fucking intelligent. I'm strategic. I think 10 steps ahead. I break everything down and rebuild it. I build out scenarios. By the time you read a paragraph, I've built out 10, 20 different scenarios on this idea, whether it can work or not. 
and I'm going to flex. So that's being my authentic self because of my legacy, and which is to impact everyone and to show them that, yo, there's always a solution. There's always going to be a way out of whatever problem you're in and to never give up and to leverage whatever you have inside you at all times. Yeah. No, man, I, that shit definitely resonates with me, man. And I'm wondering, like, you know, a lot of our conversation so far has been, you know, you going into college and, you know, a big part of that college experience, obviously, you know, being in different circles, obviously you're taking classes, but you had a bunch of internships in college, right? Like, I'm wondering, like, were these feelings amplified to another level when you started going into a corporate environment where, you know, not only are you taking classes and you need to like pass this test, but now you're getting paid and this has a lot more impact on your career. You know, like, how did you, was it amplified or was it the same? Like, tell me about that experience. I would say it was amplified to the point because of what you said, right? Like you're getting paid. This is something that's going to technically, you know, you depend on whether it be a recommendation that you want to get out of it to kind of start your career or whether it is even to get a full offer, right? So that when you graduate, you get, you have a job and, and, and coming yeah. from, again, my background, like, you know, financially, you know, limited, low income family, this was important. So I feel like it was amplified because now I'm not thinking about today and trying to fit in and get invited to that party. I'm thinking about, you know, two years, three years from now, when I graduate, you know, after this, this internship or co-op, I want to get an offer. Are these people going to remember me? Did I bring in and did I add value as a person? Did I fit in? So it was honestly a, not only exhausting, but it, at some points in some days, it was kind of nerve wracking, right? Especially, especially during meetings or conversations where you have certain ideas and you have a certain perspective that you want to add, but you know that either it can be taken out of context because people don't think the same way as you, or maybe someone isn't just going to listen at all. Right. So, yeah, you know, like, okay, let me fit in extra, extra, extra so that people can actually ask me about my opinion. Because if I'm super Latino, if I'm super, you know, brown guy that has these awesome opinions, but no one's asking for them, then, Am I going to just automatically get ignored moving forward? Like, Bro, I didn't even think about that until you started, until you started talking about it. And, you know, faking or being someone else in college in these social settings, like the worst case scenario is, all right, maybe I don't connect with someone on this group project, but that that's only for a class. You know what I mean? Like you'll probably never even work with this person again, potentially, right? But a lot of these internships, you're really trying to get an offer after you graduate. So this shit has implications for years to come. You know what I mean? Like this yeah. is a huge difference, man. Like that, that, you know, thinking about it now, like that's so much more pressure. It totally makes sense why like those feelings were amplified. Um, g- give me, give me an example. Like what, what were certain situations where you found yourself and you're like, Oh, maybe I shouldn't say that. Like you bring up meetings, for example, like you being confident, outspoken. Was it more so just like, I'm not going to speak up in meetings until I build up a reputation or just like, what was that like? Do you remember a certain scenario? So what I recall, and it's funny because you mentioned internships. I'm going to try to tie this all into an internship. Um, yeah. And it doesn't have that, to be internships. Could be later. Where, where that happened. But I, I kind of want to bring this up because I think it's very interesting. So here I am, right? Trying to not be as Latino because, you know, I want to fit in. So imagine this situation, right? One of the internships I did was in Latin America for a fortune 100 company so the bosses and all that they were white americans 
but the team and people that you're working with, they're locals. In this situation, I wasn't Latino enough because I was American. <laughs> oh. And the, the, let me just say that the Dominicans who go to this country aren't the best people in their society. Can we say that, right? Is that easily understood, right? They're, they're kind of like the, uh, let's just say they're not adding value to society, right? They're more the, like the people, people that were in the internship with you? No, people in the, in the country where I was in. So the Dominican population in the country that I was doing the internship in, let's just say they're not highly regarded because of what oh, okay. they do and the jobs okay. they need to take on, whether legal or illegal. You know what I mean? So yeah. here comes this guy, right? Into this Latin American country who is not Latino enough because he's a gringo from America. But then to the white bosses, I'm still brown and I'm still Latino. It was just super exhausting, dude. So I remember being in a meeting, right? Where this was at first when I first joined joined that team and, and I kind of moved down there for, for the six months. And I remember them just having some discussions and, and, and me kind of wanting to weigh in and just to ask why, right? So like, why were they approaching the certain issue the, the way they were? And, and why were, are we doing certain things that we're doing? But I, I didn't know like, okay, do I do it now? Do I do it later? And then it's like, okay, do I come off as like super, super white American because the, the lead director was also from New York, but he's a white guy from New York. Or do I try to be super, super proper Latino, not Dominican Latino, but, you know, let's call it Central American Latino so that the team can, can feel my vibe and back my idea so I can fit in with them. And it was like, dude, holy shit. Like, who the fuck do I, do I, should I be? Right. So I remember stepping back and not giving that input, not, you know, giving my, my value up until, I don't know, a few months in, dude, at the point where, you know, the director was like, Hey, um, so do you like feel okay here? Like, do you understand what we're doing? You took some business classes, didn't you? <laughs> to the point where they thought that I was stupid, dude. And I had to kind of check them and say like, hey, dude, like, no, that's not the case. My struggle is, is if I'm being the Latino Latino, I won't fit in with these, with this population because they look down on Dominicans, one. Or two, if I don't, you know, pitch something a certain way that's proper enough for your boss to understand whenever he's in the room, then I'm going to be looked down upon like if I'm, you know, one of the lower paid employees within this country. So it was a, it was a confusing, man. It was a mess. But I just remember that being the initial piece. And then if you want to get into the career piece, when I first started my first three years working after graduation uh, in the career profession that, that I'm in, yeah, it was, it was super exhausting. It was being, you know, um, it was trying to understand what these different individuals like. It was, you know, not talking to them about my culture and my identity because they wouldn't understand. Because guess what? It was all white corporate America, right? So, and I went off on a tangent there, but uh, hopefully that answers. Nah, nah. Nah, for sure, man. And it's so interesting because people think, you know, all right, well, let's say the majority of the room is Latino. Uh, that's going to solve all the problems. But here you are in, yeah, like your boss and the director were, were white, but probably like half, if not the majority of the room were Latinos, right? But you still had to balance, like, which side do I lean closer towards, right? That's so fascinating. Yeah. And none of those sides were who I really was. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Right. It's just like, like who who do I fake it more towards today? 
Yeah. That's so interesting, man. I'm I'm a little bit like that too. I mean, I can speak Spanish, but I'd say I'm not that I'm not the most confident. I'm not the most secure in those scenarios. Like I, I like in that situation, if I were to speak Spanish, like it would probably impress the directors, but I would feel so insecure because I would I would think that the actual Spanish speakers were judging the shit out of my Spanish. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, that's that's really interesting, man. And it's it's actually pretty dope that you were that you had the capacity back then to actually communicate those feelings to your director. Like I would that I just got comfortable saying that shit. Yeah, but that was just for that time being, man, in that little bubble. When I came back to college, it was back, you know, full-fledged acting mode. Um, right? Because hey, that that was that was the circumstances. And and that would continue. Whew what, another five, six years, right? Ending of college and then beginning of my career up until the point where I'm just like, fuck this, man. (laughs) I'm going to be who I am. I don't give a shit about what people think. I've now made it. I've now not only graduated high school and got into college. There's also more goals after that. So I graduated college, right? And I landed a job at a Fortune 100 company. Um, and yeah, I'm in it for a few years, you're right? I'm getting promoted and stuff. And it's just like, okay, yeah, I think I think this is about time where I call it quits and just fuck everybody around me if they don't like the way I say things or, or am the way or, or think the way I think or, or, you know, just if I'm just being me, right? Um, but it that took a lot of inspiration from, you know, just seeing people that I want to be like and, and seeing, you know, people of color in leadership positions, whether it's on TV in a magazine or whatever it may be. Um, but seeing that people who look like me or hopefully think like me are able to make it to these high positions, then you know what, that kind of reinforced me, my decision to say, I just need to just be myself um, and really apply all that energy let's call it all that processing power, right? Like if it's, we're talking about a computer into just yeah. <laughs> exceeding expectations, right? And adding as much value as possible because right now I'm doing great, but I'm, a, I'm only given like 20, 30% capacity because 50% of me is all acting. Yeah. And I think that's what worries people. And, and, and you know, I know you might have another question or so, but I want to mention this. I think that, that that's where our people need to realize just how powerful we are right? Yeah. We are literally performing at max 50, 60% of our true capacity because the other 50 or 40%, that's worried about trying to fit in. It's worried about trying to, you know, play this act or this role, um, trying to kind of, you know, wash away some of the culture. Imagine what we would accomplish if everyone just said, fuck this, I'm going to give this my 100%. And yeah, I'm going to feel great doing it because I get to be who I am. Just imagine. Bro, you, you preaching to the choir, man, that, that would be the dream. That's all. That's honestly what I'm trying to do with this podcast and just these conversations. And I definitely want to get to that point where, you know, I want to get to that point where you said like, you felt so inspired because you saw um, some, like a bunch of people in leadership positions that made you think like, all right, well, I can, I can do that. You know, what, what was that experience like? And were there certain people that, you remember their names? I'm sorry, it doesn't have to be their names, but like, who were those people that you saw that you were like, shit, like, I want to be like them? So I think back, right, and I would say 
the, just to build some context, the first like three or four years in my career, I would travel a lot, right? And, and work with different clients and all my clients, right? In these boardrooms, these opening, closing meetings, whatever it be, for the most part, right? I would say 90% of the time we're white males. The few times where I would see a color person in these rooms, right? These high level meetings, I would get just super excited, man. And I would want to talk to these people and I would want to like network and I would do everything. And, and at that point, those were like little glimpses, right? Little short periods of time where I was able to kind of, you know, stop the act. They would also stop the act and we would just keep it real and talk to each other, right? And that's when I felt like, okay, awesome. They do exist. I do have some hope, right? Um, however, even at this at that level, they're still kind of acting as well, just like I am. Okay. It didn't happen up until maybe I would say five, six years into my career, where I started working with some clients who were at like VP or president or, or director levels who were, you know, Latin or, you know, Latino, Latina, or, you know, um, male, female, you know, African-American descent um, individuals. And and that's really where I first kind of got that feeling like, okay, things are changing. Like now I walk into a room and, and I start seeing a little bit more of diversity. I start seeing people in positions that I might want to be in or I might want to like work with. Um, and they're being who they really are. And just seeing those individuals really kind of adding value by providing that diverse mindset or that diverse approach or questioning the status quo is what really reinforced kind of, and it kind of catalyzed that initial reaction in me to kind of start dropping the act and to be who they are because, hey, I wanna do the same thing that they're doing and I have the potential to do it and I have the confidence to do it. So now that I see somebody doing it, I think I should do it too. Um, and that's where it kind yes. of started, you know? Sorry. Yeah, man, bro, that's exactly what I'm trying to do, man. Like, yo, someone's gonna listen to this episode and the same way that you saw that VP or that president being themselves and, you know, like someone's going to listen to this and like, yo, I'm, I'm the, I'm that guy. Like you're going to be that person for someone, man. And they're, then they're going to be themselves, man. Yeah. You know, yeah. It's, yeah. hopefully, hopefully. Right. But yeah, it was at that point, right. That's when it all started to kind of unravel um, and, and unravel it did dude. And, you know, I'm, I'm super, super happy for, for, you know, those individuals, you know, not only did they act the way that they should, right, they were being their authentic selves, but some of those individuals also kind of, you know, were those kinds of people that wanted to mentor, right, and pulled, pulled, will put me to the side, or I'll pull them to the side and would entertain conversations of, you know, kind of like what it means to be someone of color in this world where we feel like we don't belong and kind of, you know, just kind of give that advice or those tips, right? Because think about it, you you know, you're in your mid-20s, there's someone who's 40, 50, 60 years old, person of color, super important, right, in this company or whatever it may be, they don't need to entertain some time with you, right? Mm -hmm. you, you, you come in, you do your business, you leave. But it would be like, hey, you know, let's grab lunch or, or hey, you want to go grab a cup of coffee? Because they saw that I would be the only non-white person in this team of of professionals that would come in to work with their business right and 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 i really appreciate that and i think that that we and now i'm talking about us this is definitely a call to action if you are a professional person of color 
I think that definitely, definitely takes some time to connect with those younger folks and let them know that they can be who they are and, and show them by your interactions with your team that diversity in mindset in everything is, is really appreciated. And, and, and that would really, really catalyze the change that we're looking for here. Yeah, no, 100%, man. And I, I want to I touch on this one topic as well, because you mentioned a few times, you know, you feel more comfortable being yourself. And I want to I wanna touch on the point that it's not just about seeing people that look like us and, you know, just instantly we feel more comfortable being ourselves. I think, I think there's also so many times where, you know, we're more comfortable in those situations, not just because the people look like us, but because they, they want to, they create this inclusive environment or like, there's not any of these microaggressions, you know what I mean? There's not so many of these like awkward situations that you have to deal with when oh, yeah. someone understands you, you know oh, what I mean? Yeah. Like there's so many instances where, I don't know, like for example, I <laughs> I shared this PowerPoint deck with someone and one of my teammates was like, oh, can you fix this slide? It looks ghetto. And I'm just like, what? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that, there's what? so many words you could have said, like out of all words, that's the one you chose. And like, wow. do you tell everyone else's slide? Do you tell everyone else that their slides look ghetto? Like, why did you, I don't know, whatever. Wow. But yeah, man. Did, did you experience any of those too? Because I'm sure that is... What, uh, to some extent, like that's what made me feel uncomfortable being myself because I'm just like, yo, like, whoa, that's what you think of me? Of course, of course, man. I mean, dude, first five, six years in my career, like microaggressions towards not only was this me, not only was I brown, right, tan, Latino, right? I was also young. And here I am going to these different businesses and, you know, kind of like dissecting it apart and identifying what's working well, what's not, and, and, and whose fault it is, right? And a lot of times people would get really, really defensive. Um, I would call them microaggressions, some of them maybe even larger, right? But there were points, man, where I was told, that, you know, you're my kid's age or you know, why should we listen to you? You barely have any experience. Or um, not wanting to like shake my hand when I would enter a room or whenever I would leave a room after dropping some bad news with, you know, maybe a book worth of solutions that they would need to implement. Whoa, not shaking your hand? Yeah, that has happened. That has happened plenty of times in front of, in front of colleagues of mine that were white. And what would be interesting is, is that some colleagues would see it and, wouldn't even bring it up and wouldn't even right acknowledge that it happened. Other colleagues would at least kind of, you know, have my back and, and kind of, you know, discuss with me that, you know what, hey, I saw what happened and I, I think you handled that pretty well. But, you know, I, I would say, and, 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 and let's kind of open it up, right? The call to action, I want to be as inclusive as possible. If you are someone who is not a person of color and you're listening to this, here's a good story, right? So th that same colleague that, that would hold me down was the same colleague that had my back. I remember one time there was someone who just really wasn't running a certain particular part of the business pretty, pretty well, right? They, they weren't doing it a good job. And I remember hearing the, oh, you're my kid's age. Why should we listen to you? Blah, blah, blah. People get defensive, right? Whatever it may be. To the point where that person formally wrote a complaint to my boss at the time. 
stating that, you know, I was too aggressive in my approach, stating that I wouldn't allow for an open discussion to take place. Basically, I didn't want to hear their bullshit excuses, you know, saying all this shit that wasn't true, dude. And, you know, my boss obviously would hear great things on, you know, usually. So they kind of questioned, like, you know, well, what's up? Like, what, what happened? You know, what's the issue? And luckily for me, my colleague who was with me at the time during that client visit kind of stepped up and, and, and really stated what it was and how, how it was, right? He didn't just ignore it. He didn't just say, oh, I, I got no opinion. He literally said, like, hey, boss, you know, told me, oh, you, you can edit that piece out, right? Hey, yeah. boss, <laughs> you know, so-and-so, you know, this, this person told me that he received a complaint from this client visitor this trip i want to talk to you about that i want to tell you what happened it was really unfair to that person because they were really being kind of you know i wouldn't even say attacked i would say they weren't really treated the same as as they treated the rest of us on the team so i just want to let you know the context to that and, and why that may be so you know kudos to that person for having my back because they didn't need to do that right? They could have done the same thing that some of the other white folks did when we would go and do a client visit and I, I would get these microaggressions or people wouldn't want to address me or talk to me or shake my hand. They could have acted like it didn't fucking happen. So yeah. kudos to that person for doing it because what that person did was show me that yes, there's a color thing going on, but at the end of the day, it comes down to a person thing and who you are as a person and what you're going to stand for and what you're not going to stand for. So that was a perfect demonstration. And if anyone's listened to this, when's the last time that you had someone's back that was struggling? Facts, right? man. Yo, allies are so important. Like, imagine if he wasn't in the room. That's imagine the word I was looking for. <laughs> an ally? <laughs> yeah. Allies yeah. is super important. Imagine it. So let's take that, right? Imagine if that person wasn't in the room. Imagine his flight got canceled and you had to go by yourself. Imagine. And then imagine that it was my word, right? The young brown yeah. Latino kid who, who's confident, but, you know, obviously has to act a certain way versus, you know, a, a, one, one of the clients who has, you know, X amount of experience and, you know, is white. Like, I don't know, man. Uh, maybe I would have been talking to you about a different experience. <laughs> and part of it is too, you know, I'm sure what helped you is that, you know, you had a couple of years at that, at that company. So you built up a reputation. Like, yeah. imagine too, if that was your first meeting, you know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, my, my career, my career would, would have been done with. Right. And, and, and all because someone is, was close-minded or because someone really didn't want to listen to someone who was younger or because someone didn't have the capacity to be effective at what they do and they want to take it out on someone else an easy victim just because this person is younger or of color or whatever bullshit they think. Imagine how that yeah. would have turned out. Yeah. I remember, I, I remember I also got labeled as aggressive at work and I told the story before on the podcast, so I won't get into it, but mm -hmm. I was talking to my therapist about the situation and, you know, I was explaining the situation to her and she asked me, well, Pavel, were, were you being aggressive? And I was like, you know what? I probably was being a little loud. And she was like, hey, you know, that's cool. Just think about why you were being aggressive. And then, you know, we came to the we came to the realization, you know, after thinking, I was like, you know what? I don't really feel heard by my teammates. Like I yeah. say shit all the time. They don't listen to me. Then this white dude comes in and says the same exact shit with less data and evidence to support his statement. He just says it and people are like, oh, he's a fucking genius. Yep. Meanwhile, I'm just like, 
yo, I literally just said that shit. So like, don't you hate a lot that of times? Shit? I can't I hate that shit. Damn that shit, man. Oh, but uh, man. but my therapist was saying that um, I forget exactly the words, but she was like, um, people that yell, that's the voice of the unheard. Like sometimes we are a little louder than usual because we feel like we're not being listened to. I mean, there was this also there was this famous last part. I'll say there was a famous story about um women on uh that were working during the obama administration and in certain meetings um this there were like three women i think and this one woman whenever she would say something the two women immediately after would like say exactly what she said so i don't know like unemployment is declining in new york and then they would be like oh yeah did you all hear unemployment is declining in new york the only reason they did that was to like amplify her voice in a way so like if they didn't hear her mm -hmm. they would hear the other two women but either way like a woman's voice would be heard but yeah, it just goes back to like, well, I mean, a lot of things, but like the Obama story, like being an ally, having the person's back. And um, yeah, a lot of times we're just like not heard, like we're completely dismissed because I don't know. I really, I really don't know. It's, it's just it's still that, happens to me till this day. It's that bias that people don't know that they have, man. You know, when that happens, the people who don't listen are because they're not, they look, there's so much that goes on on a day to day in a meeting, out of a meeting, at work, whatever. If you don't intentionally listen, mm -hmm. you're not going to capture the information. So there are people who feel that they just don't need to intentionally listen to someone of color. I mean, it is what it is. Whether they choose to press that button or not, that's a different story. But the fact is that they haven't changed it and therefore they're accepting it and, and they're continuing that practice. That's what it is. In my case, I would say, so, you know, just based on some of the feedback and things that I've gotten, especially in my early years of college about being arrogant and doing all oh, this. Oh, please. Yeah, what what did you man. hear? I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I was like, please. Yeah. Tell me, what did you hear? All that feedback. Yeah. Right. So like, you know, just so like, let's be honest, man. Like, you know, I used to love, you know, I'm a New Yorker. I used to love getting my, you know, my, my lineups, my fades, get my hair right. I used to love dressing nice, you know, going, going to parties or whatever it may be. Um, and yeah, I was very, very, very confident. People called it arrogant. You know what? Yeah, probably, right? I've scaled it down ever since. But I've kept that throughout, you know, throughout my career. So even if I was trying to fit in, I was still kind of, you know, still dressing nice and and, and really kind of, you know, I guess people say that I have a serious look. And because my mom taught me how to walk with my back straight, right? Shoulders back, head up, chin up. And, and, and when I do talk to always, you know, speak, you know, through the target and not to the target, make sure that my voice is heard. So I don't know if it was loud. I do know that in those work situations, if there was ever something that would go against my morals or my principles, that's the only time I would say that my authentic self would kind of peek out and there'll be a little glimpse that would kind of stop things or ask questions to kind of understand like okay hold on this isn't right you know why this or why that and that is what as i recall that instance when i was perceived as aggressive or cold aggressive that was the case it was because everyone in the room was just nodding their head and jumping when the boss person said jump and i was kind of there like no that increases the risk for your operation you shouldn't go that route have we considered these other alternatives right so yeah. that's where the uh, quote unquote aggressiveness came out in anyone else. Or if I was a white male, it would be, wow, you are an amazing professional in this specific field. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, it wouldn't be aggressive. It would be persistent. Yeah, it, it wouldn't even be persistent. It'll be factual, right? Data driven. It'll be all that. Data driven. <laughs> notice, <laughs> notice how the words change, right? When it's a white person, these are all the things you want to put on your resume, kind of thing, right? And then if it's yeah. a Latino, the words they use are like, "Oh my God, they're just so aggressive." Like, they are so opinionated and 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 believe in and what they think, and and they're so proud. Yeah. Cut that shit out, everyone. Come on, world. Cut that shit out. <laughs> Let's start acknowledging people for all their damn strengths, man. Whatever it is, everyone has strengths, everyone has weaknesses, and that's what makes all of us so damn unique and amazing. I agree, man. I mean, I mean, you, you've taken, you know, such a long journey, obviously, you know, being from New York, going to college, and like so many years in the, in the corporate America setting. What about now? Like, do you feel like you're being yourself? Or like, you know, one through 10, like, do, do you, like, are you an eight? Like, like, I'm sorry, what then, was that? You're, I'm saying like, you, you know, you've gone through this, you've gone through this journey, right? And now, you know, so many years in corporate America, you know, how, how much of you like is your authentic self these days? Like from a from a zero to 10? Like, do you think you're like at eight or five? Like, where do you think you are? Oh, man, if I would say like, now, like, you know, Q4 2020? Uh, yeah, yeah, definitely like a nine. Really? Definitely like a nine, man. Like, so I feel so empowered uh, for several things right and first i you know i want to just give you a shout out because over the summer I, i've been rebranding re myself right because i'm considering a potential career pivot um so i had to kind of really like analyze you know who i am as a person what do i want in my career etc 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 right and then i caught on to your podcast um and i started listening to other people like me right other people who are people of color talking about being their authentic self and kind of really just kind of putting it out there and, you know, you know, blessing us with their wisdom, with their experience. So I want to say, you know, thank you for holding and creating this kind of platform, right, where you can pull this from all of us and you can share this with everyone else. Because that, I think, has helped me step up to the number nine. Before your podcast, I was at like eight. <laughs> so thank you, dude. Thank you for, for that. This is something that's really needed and everybody needs to hear these conversations. I've listened maybe to about half of the ones that you have on Spotify. And and and, and I've just felt myself just like, I felt like I was part of the coro and el corillo. I felt like I was part of the conversation. It, all the different topics resonated with me, man. And, and really that has allowed me to kind of step it up even more, you know? Um, before this, I would say what has really allowed me to reach like that level eight level of being my authentic self would be those, those different professionals that I've come across, right. That are people of color. And obviously social media and different things like LinkedIn are, are allowing that to happen before it was like, okay, do I see a movie or a commercial of someone who's of color that's successful? Now it's all about reading about all these companies and seeing these different profiles and, and kind of like, whoa, there's a whole world out me out there that is like me or even better or more advanced or more experienced. Like, how can I learn more from that person? Um, yeah. So I think that that's something that has also helped elevate to, to a level eight. Um, but initially what caused me to just kind of just drop the act and drop all the crap um, obviously after meeting people or seeing some people that look like me that were successful it was to a point where you know i reached where i felt confident and and really acknowledged all the i would say success that i've had and all the 
I would say the, the goals that I've reached and kind of thought like, wow, so how can I give something my 100% and what's holding me back? And I realized that what was holding me back was the fact that I, I had to mask who I really was. Um, so at that point, I was just like, you know what? Fuck this. I'm going to be who I am. Obviously, I'm now educated. I now have more professional experience. I now have expanded my vocabulary and my delivery on certain things. But I still should be true to who I think, who I am, right? How I think, you know, what my superpowers are. I need to flex them. I need to drive impact every single day in and every single day out. Because if I don't do it, then guess what? I just missed an opportunity that he, that was granted to me to be able to add value either to a company, to a community, to a project, whatever it may be. On top of that, that, it was being the first one in my family that graduated college and all my younger siblings either graduating college as well or going into college because I, I, I paved the way for my family, right? So thinking about them and thinking like, okay, how can I make sure that they don't have to kind of have that burden that I did, which was, you know, not being their authentic self and trying to fit in. So that also kind of propelled me to kind of, all right, Let's stop the act. Let's stop the bullshit. You got people that are up and coming. They need to see that our people can achieve. They need to see that our people can drive change and can get to the top and also be themselves while doing it. While doing it. So um, that's kind of what what helped me get to that point. I love that, man. And like that's what got, that's what helped you get to that point, right? To be where you are now. What about looking forward? As you look forward, you know, after today, what is it? What's one thing that continues to inspire you and, and empower you to continue being your most authentic self? I would say seeing other people doing it, one, right? So obviously I already mentioned like your podcast and then the way that they, people come on here and kind of are their authentic selves and provide different perspectives. Um, also like on social media, seeing people who, who are being who they are and being proud of who they are. The second thing that's going to help me, I would say get to like super saying level level 10 um, of being my authentic self is is working towards addressing the, the current challenges and obstacles that are placed for people of color right and and I wanted to make sure that I mentioned this because I wanted to get your perspective on this but I think what's going to get me to the next level is really looking at how can we disrupt this entire system that is just built to not let our people at a professional level grow and, and 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 develop their careers right so if you look at for example this whole thing now about having a diverse workforce or having a diverse board or whatever it may be like people need to understand ceos out there if you're listening to this e-board members if you're listening to this putting one person in a chair and not letting the, their voice be heard or not intentionally seeking their input isn't going to give you the value that you're going to get from diversity, right? Promoting a piece of paper or a website showing one, you know, colored face that's part of this leadership team, that's not going to get you the value that you need. What's going to get you the value that you need is not only giving that person a seat at the table, but also actively seeking their input and actively implementing their input and advice, right? And also changing your HR teams, man. You know, it's important for your recruiting team or your HR team to embody the same diversity that you want in your company. No me vengan con esa mierda that you are culturally diverse and support people of color. Meanwhile, I go and I research your recruiters or your talent acquisition teams, and they're all white. How the hell will those people ever connect with people like me 
or relate to my answers to those. Tell me about a time that you struggled or tell me about a time that you didn't meet eye to eye with a team member. If they don't really know <laughs> my culture and can't connect with me, right? Like if you really want to show, you know, that you stand for diversity and inclusion, then why don't you make your organization structures public? Your entire org structure, show it. Show it to everyone. Let everyone see the faces of those that you deemed were qualified to make it to those middle management and upper management positions. Let's see if we can identify with those people. But Bell, you got companies out there stating that, oh yeah, you know, my workforce is 30, 40, 50% diverse. But if you go and look at those people and the jobs that they're putting in, all that diversity is at the bottom. All that diversity is those people that are putting in the sweat equity and getting little pay and have no growth potential. If you're going to show me diversity in your company, make your your entire org structure public and show me the decision makers and the influencers. Show me who they are and I'll tell you how diverse you are. So conquering that challenge, all of us, we need to take that challenge on, but that's what's going to get me to, to level 10 and even maybe beyond. Who knows?